You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Welcome into Sacks in the Basement. My name is Chris. This is Ed, belly on up to the nine-foot homemade oak bar in my basement. Pour yourself a cold one, and let's talk some white socks for 30 minutes of socks for fans by fans. Edward, have you ever had an issue in your basement? Yes, I have. That's terrible. You want to know who you would call for that? Why, I have a feeling you're going to tell me. Family Waterproofing Solutions. Check them out. They are family-owned, veteran-owned, female-owned. You heard the commercial right at the beginning of the show. Their phone number is right there on our logo on any podcast player you're listening to or if you're at SaxInTheBasement.com. They will check out things before everything goes bad so you are not like Ed, who waited too long, let everything fall apart, and had to move. And his wife was angry with him, and his kids were disappointed in him. Don't be like Ed. Check them out now, FAMWS.com, and tell them that we sent you because it's cheaper that way. Uh, are you are you ready for our guest today? We have Steven Nelson from MLB Network, big White Sox fan on the national scene, joining us on Sox in the Basement. That is amazing and fantastic. I'm so looking forward to hearing him. Very excited to have Steven Nelson on the program. Before we get into what we're going to talk about today and before we get to Steven, I want to tell you a quick story. I I saw a listener use Socks in the Basement this past week to pick on another independent podcast. And it was like they were having an irrational White Sox Twitter argument. And as they started to lose the argument, went with, well, Socks in the Basement is better than you. And <laughs> while I appreciate all of our listeners, don't do that. All yeah, right. I, I, I mean, you want to pick on the corporate podcast, fine. I don't care. They're not nice to me. I don't care if you're mean to them. But don't pick on the other guys, especially these people that are just doing it, like, because they're super fans. Like, that's that's how we started this. I mean, if you're going to have an argument on Twitter, don't use us as, as fuel. And I jumped in there and I said something like, hey, you know, thanks for listening. But, uh, and I kind of defended the other person. And I don't want to call him out. I want to make a big deal out of this. And then, of course, that person who used us and said he was such a big fan of our show immediately unfollowed us on Twitter and hates us as well. So (laughs) don't be like that. Be be a good White Sox fan and be good to other White Sox fans. Yeah, it's so bizarre. Plus, using us to say, you know, well, Sox in the Basement is better than another podcast. It's like being on the playground when you'd sit there and go, well, my dad could beat up your dad. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's not. But guess what? We're not going to fight anyway, right? I'm right. not, you know, my son says I can beat up another dad. First of all, I probably can't. But second of all, I'm not going to fight the other dad unless the other dad comes at me personally. And then, so yeah. So if you want to pit another White Sox podcast against us and get us into a little bit of a competition, we can have some fun with that. But don't just, don't just throw us out there and be like, yeah, we'll kick their ass because, eh, you know, we're all in this together. I just felt like I was being used, you know, I felt you like were. I was being used there. I mean, I, I actually was looking to today at the most recent people who have followed us on Twitter and we're on all the social media platforms, just looking at how they describe themselves, our fan base. One guy writes, America is better without politics. Here, here. I love it. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) We have another guy who is a board. Yeah. We got a guy who's a Chicago raised lawyer by day, amateur photographer by night. I I love that. That's awesome. That's the, there's a guy who does like more than one thing in his life and he's not obsessed with trying to tell you about his opinions. 
Uh, I have a guy who lists all of his favorite sports teams and then puts the Bulls with a question mark after it, which is, I think, how all people who root for the Bulls feel. Right now, yes, that's how. That's pretty much how it has to be. It's the Chicago <laughs> Bulls. That's on their uniforms. That's going to be on the city edition this year. It's just Bulls with right. a question mark. Right. We got one guy on here. He's uh, His entire description is about the White Sox, and at the end of it, he says, when I was a kid, I drank from the hose, and I didn't die. These are our people. So yes. please don't turn on each other. I think we have very logical, sane, normal White Sox fans that are out there from all walks of life, and let's just keep the sanity in the sacks in the basement family. All right, let's just yes. let's keep this family sane. Don't worry about everybody else out there. Sacks in the basement listeners, do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the south side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. Every once in a while on Socks in the Basement, it's fun to get a national perspective. But what we're fortunate to do today is speak with a guy who's on MLB Network who's actually a White Sox fan. Steven Nelson joins us on the show. You're the rare wild beast that is a White Sox fan in the national media. This is amazing to me. Yes, and I'm honored to, to be uh, representing the Sox uh, for the network. I, you know, carry the flag proudly as I've done my entire life. But it is it is. I like, you know, I grew up being like immersed in the White Sox, you know, thanks to my dad. Like I just followed Pops, you know, and so it was all White Sox, everything. And then as you get older and then you move around the country, you know, and the common question for any baseball player is, like, oh, who do you root for? And if you say the Yankees, like, ah, the Yankees, you know, the Yankees or whatever like that, you say, uh, insert franchise here, there's some sort of reaction. If, when I say White Sox, it's like, oh, okay. Like, you know what I mean? It's just like that. <laughs> It's just like that. Uh, nobody seems nobody seemed to care, and I was like, "Wait, wait 2005? Like, oh, oh yeah, they did play. It's the Forgotten World Series, and it drives me nuts." But anyway, so that's why I'm so like uh, boisterous about my White Sox fan and whatever possible now. Yeah, you have to do that because trust me, amongst White Sox fans, this is a real bone of contention. We're constantly forgotten about that World Series in 05, and all we did was go 11-1 and through the postseason, which has only been done by one other team before. And it, it's absolutely incredible, the run that they had, and everybody forgets about it. And whenever you're from Chicago and you go someplace, uh, they always go, are you a Cub fan? Like, they don't even realize it's another team. So we have a, we have a chip on our shoulder, and it's nice that every once in a while, like I, I saw you filling in on, uh, on Hot Stove recently. I saw you on Intentional Talk, and it's nice to see – uh, somebody mentioned the White Sox and actually sound like they care about them. I think that's fun for White Sox fans. You know, something I talk about a lot is, you know, representation in sports. You know, me being a you know minority, me being Japanese, 
Um, I talk about that a lot, and, and I do think there there is some of those same feelings for me when it comes to fandom. Now, like growing up and going to school for you know broadcast journalism, you take journalism classes, you're taught anyway that you have to suppress that fandom in order to be objective. Like they're mutually exclusive things. For me, I know that I can be objective when covering a story. Like if the White Sox stink, I'm going to say the White Sox stink. If somebody within the organization or on the team does something stupid, I can say that they just did something stupid. But that you know, but me rooting for them to to win ball games, win a championship, that like that doesn't prevent me from doing my job the right way. So I, I have like totally disagreed with that that teaching. Like, you can't be a fan. Like, being a fan is what drew us to sports first place. So as long as you can do your job objectively and do it with integrity, then I don't see the problem with with being the being a fan and, and rooting hard for your squad. So that's that's why like whenever I get the chance on the air, you know, the socks come up, I'm gonna be like, hell yeah. We're talking socks baseball. Like this is this is right up my alley. This is what I, I spent my entire life wanting to do. I gotta listen to Vaskurgeon talk about the A's all the time. So if I gotta listen to him bring up the A's and his A's hat and everything else in the morning, I want to have somebody that brings up the White Sox. That's that. That's awesome. Right. When A's fans see Matty V, like they get jacked up too. When Cardinals fans see Greg Hamsinger, like they probably feel, you know, or Fran Charles, they're feeling good too. So like I think it goes, you know, a number of different ways. So what do you think about them this year? I mean, you've seen some of these moves that they made. They went out, they got themselves a closer. They 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 make the move for Lance Lynn, which I liked. I thought that was a smart move, and it's an even a smarter move. We've talked with uh, a Rangers podcast that is their number one podcast out in Texas, and they said that he's looking to just stay someplace. So the Sox might be able to work out a long-term deal with him. The Eaton signing, a lot of White Sox fans, mixed emotions, I'm hoping things are a little bit more stable second time through. What are, what are your thoughts so far about the team and, and what they look like in 2021? I'm ecstatic, okay? Like, I am also, though, trying to, like, temper expectations and excitement. I think that pessimism has grounded me throughout my sports fandom with any team, whether it's the Sox or the Hawks. You know, certainly with the Bears. Uh, pessimism is not a problem when you're rooting for the Chicago Bears. Um so I always kind of have that level of I, it was something something bad's going to happen. Like it's not going to be as great as we think. Because then when greatness does happen or happiness does happen, then it feels just that much better. It's kind of like a demented way of being a fan, but that's what gets me through it. Looking at this particular team in this offseason, like you know, I think that the front office has mostly hit all the right notes um, in terms of personnel, player personnel specifically. You know, you mentioned the Adam Eaton reunion. I was a little caught off guard with that. Um, I am also, I, I hope, obviously, now that it's it's signed and a done deal, can't do anything about it. Obviously, I hope that it works out better this time, that it's just a, a better fit culturally, uh, that the uh, performance for him gets back to where it was a couple years ago, that the defense is, uh, returns to form as there was kind of a dip in that regard over the past uh, year and a half, too. Uh, I've been, I mean, you've heard me say this on on the air too. I've just been clamoring for Michael Brantley. Like I I really would have, if it were me, it's always easier to spend somebody else's money. But if it were me, I I would have taken that money and invested it into a hitter and a pro 
like like Michael Brantley. I just feel like he and, and maybe he still finds his way to the south side. Like they have room to to, to work here. Now whether they utilize that or not, I, I don't know. But I just feel like a hitter like that, of course, being from the left side, but someone who's familiar with the central, who's Floor and ceiling, you know, it's, it's smaller, right? You, you have a better idea of what you're going to get from a Michael Brantley compared to a platoon with Adam Eaton and Adam Engel. So that that's that was kind of the one piece I was hopeful for this offseason. As we sit here today, it, it hasn't happened yet. But acquiring Lance Lynn, fortify the front of the rotation. Uh, Liam Hendricks, look, I understand it's easy to be concerned or scared of the volatility when it comes to bullpen guys. Um, but the way he's been going after he totally revamped his program, uh, uh, his arsenal, and the way he goes about his job, like he's just a different pitcher. Just like Jason McCann became a different catcher in Chicago than he was the five years prior, Liam Hendricks has become a different pitcher these last two years than he was the, the five teams prior, five uh, years prior. So in the grand scheme of the game, in the American League, certainly, uh, they're sitting pretty. So, uh, again, there's a lot of excitement. But for me personally, I'm trying to keep myself grounded a, a little bit. You know, when LaRusa got hired, I think that the one thing that stuck out to a lot of people was this feeling that he might not have been Rick Hodd's pick. Like, it really looks like it was Jerry Reinsdorf's decision. I, you know, I'm curious what the reaction was amongst your peers over at MLB Network when that move happened, because I think he actually still has it. He's probably forgotten more about baseball than most managers know. So I, I don't hold that against the White Sox, because I think that eventually we're going to see that he's going to do a very good job in there and that I don't think he holds back this team at all. And I think he might be an improvement over Ricky Renteria. I think, I think he is an improvement over Ricky Renteria. What was the feeling though, around the network or with people that like, I, I you know, your feelings, but also, you know, a national perspective, like what other people thought, cause that was a shocking move across the board, right? It was, I wouldn't say that my feelings were different from that of my colleagues at the network. I think at the network, it was, unanimously praised unanimously across the board. Every analyst thought it was going to be a great fit. You know, I didn't, I didn't necessarily agree with using what happened in the world series with Kevin Cash's Blake Snell as a reason to justify the hiring as to why it was going to be great. Like I just thought that was, that was reaching and it was um, unfair. So yeah, every analyst loved it. Thought he was going to be great, great for the team. Thought they could help him uh, get to the next level. Me personally, it has nothing to do um, with LaRusso's resume. I just felt that people were getting lost in the back of his baseball card a little bit. And, you know, kind of getting enamored with the Hall of Fame plaque. I thought, and I still think, that no matter what happens on the field, no matter how much success is had, it doesn't make the process that led to the hire acceptable. In my, in, in my, it, again, that is just my individual opinion. If they win the World Series, am I going to be happy? Obviously. But again, winning doesn't, to me anyway, doesn't like negate the bad process that led to Tony Russo being hired as the manager of the White Sox. That's how I viewed it. I have a ton of thoughts on the Russo. I don't know much 
how much time you have to, <laughs> to, to get into all of them. Uh, so I'll, I'll stop there. If you want to explore further, more specifically, I'm, I'm happy to. But yeah, like I, it's it is a very it's a layered discussion for me for me because like my thoughts on it or I, I felt were they went beyond the X's and O's and the style and his past and. You know, what he did with the Oakland A's roster that's kind of similar to what the White Sox are building here in 2021. Like, it, my thoughts go beyond that um, in terms of like, the process and the overall fit. Um, I, last thing I will say, though, that I didn't like was how immediately kind of the, the conversation surrounding prior became a Tony LaRusa versus Tim Anderson that didn't make it. You're right. That that made absolutely no sense. I hate. I hated it. I hated it. And here's why. And it, it was like the young core as a whole, but they were propping up Tim Anderson as the face of the movement against Larusa, his hire and his style and his reputation as a manager. Because what that says in my mind is that okay, the people who are doing that don't view Tim Anderson as a professional or an adult enough to do his job the way Tim has done it for the past few years and done it at a high level. Like, okay, he is now going to unplug from what has made him a great ball player and the face of the Chicago White Sox just because they hired this guy who has this reputation, this style, this age, yada, yada. I just thought it was so unfair to Tim who hadn't said he hadn't said a thing, he hadn't been talked to about it. It happened. It was immediately after Larusa's hiring was announced. It was well, how's he going to get along with Tim Anderson? As if Tim Anderson isn't able to have a conversation with somebody who has different viewpoints about different things, you know, in baseball and in life. So that was one thing that I did take exception to. You notice just in the comments that Anderson has made, he seems to be pretty excited and ready to go. Like he, he's a professional. You're right. And he, he wasn't treated like a professional. He was treated like a problem. What do you think about the start of the season? Do you think they're going to get started here? Do you think that we'll start on time? I, I mean, you got, uh, you got Rob Manfred telling everybody, get ready, prepare for just a regular season. But a lot of that comes down to, yep. you can't really shorten it without the union saying, okay. So he, he has to say that, right? Yeah. Craig, I mean, you and I were talking about this before, talking about you know the world we're living in uh, before we got started here. And, and I think the one thing that we've learned over the past 11 months is that you know, the world we live in today could be totally different from the one we got tomorrow or next week or, or, or next month. So for me, like all I can go off of and all we're going off of at the network is what has been said to us and what's been made public. And that was that league statement that you referenced that was made to the athletic about, you know, they're planning to start spring training on time. And I, I mean, I got both. You know, my fingers on both hands crossed. The the one, yep, I can do both both feet. I can cross those toes as well. I, I'm 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 doing that uh, because I would love to see it. And until we're told otherwise, that's how we're kind of proceeding. You know, at the end of the day, like the only thing that really matters is that we're all getting through this healthy and, and safe. And so I know that the league and the players association view that the same way, you know, these players and the coaches and support staff and, um, you know, athletic training staff, all, all those people, like they, of course, as individuals want to navigate a season healthy, but they also have families that they want to, they want to see and they want to be able to be around in a safe fashion. So 
the only way to do that is continue to like take the cues from the public health officials and and um, you know listen to the true experts and kind of cut through the clutter of too much information and some of it's misinformation out there, right? You know, it, it's it's a hard thing to navigate, but you know that's that's the only thing you can do you can do to try and chart the best path forward. So, Stephen Nelson, MLB Network. Before I let you out of here, I got to ask you. Uh, if I were working for the MLB network, I would be using the fact that I work there to, uh, to gain access, to hang out with some of the people that I just was enamored with, not only as a child watching baseball, but some of the current players, like, have you gotten an opportunity to like meet somebody that you were like, I would have never gotten to meet this person or ask this question or have this interaction if it weren't for it. You got the fanboy out a little bit. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you could say that for basically all of our, our analysts. Um, but if, if you want me to be more specific, I'll say Big Jim Tommy and Pedro Martinez because, you know, Pedro was, you know, kind of my generation's, uh, you know, one of the ghosts, right? And I, I you just watched his starts and you, you marveled at, at, at him. Um, and he's a Hall of Famer. And now getting to work with him and get to know him, you see, like, he is just a, a giant kid. And he's hilarious. Um, he knows how great his career was, <laughs> which, which also adds, <laughs> which also adds to it. Um, and then for and then for Jimmy, like he is truly one of the nicest human beings I, I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. And I feel like anybody who's ever shaken his bare paws of a hand would tell you the same thing. He is just uh, he is just aces and a Hall of Fame human. Caring, intensive, and yeah, and you know, we watched him in a walk-off home run to get 500 in, in a Sox uniform, being an Illinois kid, and, and you know, I remember Hawks called, you, know, you are an awesome big man, and it's true, every part of that sentence, he's awesome, he's big, and he's just like the best man uh, you could ever have uh, the fortune of meeting, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say those two. Well, Stephen, I appreciate you taking the time and talking with us here on Socks in the Basement. Uh, do me a favor, just make sure that there's awful lots of B-roll running in the background of White Sox moments, that all the introductions of the show include the Sox now, because we went through a few years there where you couldn't find a White Sox image on, on the network, So, because we were terrible, which is yeah. understandable. So now I'm excited. At, like I'll turn on a show, and there's like Tim Anderson's running across in a graphic. I'm like, we're relevant again. So, I mean, like I'm excited about that. Keep that going. Yes, 1,000%. Like, look, there are so many franchises, including the one across town. I can't for the life of me figure out what the hell the Cubs are doing. But there are tons of franchises, the majority of them in baseball right now, are going in a certain direction, okay? And it should be obvious what I'm saying there. And the Sox are not. The Sox aren't. The Padres aren't. You know, there are teams who haven't traditionally played with the big boys in terms of payroll who are being aggressive because they see the opportunity that is in front of them. And I think, and look, it's all cyclical, right? We know that, but let's be sure to enjoy this part of the cycle. Okay. Because you know, that the, the rebuild was painstaking. It was arduous and those years felt longer than they actually were. And so now we're coming through the other side, and uh, that's a good time to be a Sox fan. So I think uh, everybody banding together and keeping those good vibes up and taking the cues from the 
uh, for the players that we root for and making the game fun, changing the game. Like I think it's just um, again, it's 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 an awesome time to be a Sox fan, man. Get on get get on the bandwagon or get out the way. That's what I gotta say. Are you a CFO, HR professional, or owner of a company, big or small, and you're tired of the typical health insurance premium increases each and every year? Out of control premiums with no end in sight. Well, now there is the Elite Benefits Formula. This process has saved employers and their employees thousands or even tens of thousands of dollars each year. These strategies are avoided by most insurance professionals, and the insurance companies definitely do not want you to know about them. But Elite Benefits of America is ready to help you. Just about all employers in the Chicagoland area can now take advantage of some or all of these strategies and start saving money. Butch Zemar from Elite Benefits of America wants you to reach out to him today. Visit EliteBenefits.net or call 708-535-3006. It seems like a lot of White Sox fans are reacting to what the Padres are doing, like somehow it, it impacts the White Sox. And these are two really different organizations. Yes, they both went through rebuilds, but the Padres are built differently on the inside, and they can make deals like that because their farm system is much deeper. First of all, does it does it make you nervous? Because it doesn't make me nervous what they're doing. I just find it interesting. I got two things about the Musgrove trades that sparked two thoughts in me, and I'm going to go probably deeper into, into one of them uh, on the blog. But the one thing that I, I took away from the Musgrove trade that I thought was interesting was Joey Lucchese was the Padres' Ronaldo Lopez. He was a guy that a couple years ago was part of their rotation. They were hoping he would get better and be a bigger part, and he never quite got over that. And he was part of that trade for Musgrove. He ended up with the Mets, right? So that gives me hope that Lopez has value beyond whatever the White Sox can craft out of him. But to the bigger point, I'm not – as worried about what the Padres are doing because I think in some ways they are coming to those decisions and making these trades and emptying out their farm system out of a greater sense of need than what the White Sox have because the Padres last year had uh, they had Chris Paddock who seemed to take a step back from the year before. They had Zach Davies who is Zach Davies and is just going to Zach Davies wherever he goes. Now he's going to do it on the north side of Chicago. Uh, they had Denelson Lamette, who is their ace, basically, but he's not 100% healthy. They're a little concerned about his arm health. He's had some arm problems in the past, and he had some arm problems at the end of the season. Whatever, Ed. He's going to lead my fantasy team to another championship this year, okay? So t- stop putting him down just because you don't have him and I do. But anyway, keep going. Keep no, going. But the point is, is that if the He's pod- going to be fine. I saw him. He looks like he's good. Me and Denelson have had some conversations imaginary ones when I'm in the shower going over my roster in my head and he's doing just fine. Well, not to, not to disparage your fantasy team, but I think if the Padres in, in the real world are actually a little concerned about that guy, they're trying to build up actual major league depth because they don't want to just rely on what they have in the minors. Whereas the Sox know that Giolito's fine, Lance Lynn is fine, Dallas Keuchel's fine. They know that Michael Kopech is coming back. They know that Dylan Cease is just, you know, he's got to figure some stuff out, but he's physically, he's fine. He's going to go out there and pitch. Uh, You know, if they are convinced that Jonathan Stever or Ronaldo Lopez can give them something, they're not coming from as big of a worry as a team that has really two guys that were the head of their staff last year that they have some concerns about one and the other one's going to be on the shelf for all of 2021 and Mike Clevenger. 
and they're watching Chris Paddock, and they're not sure what they have in him. Like the Sox know what they have in Giolito, know what they have in Keuchel, know what they have in Lance Lynn. And so they're trading for you Darvish, who they have a better feel for what he's going to be, and he's a higher-end pitcher, and he is somebody that can conceivably replace Clevenger. They are trading for Blake Snell because they need that depth because Zach Davies isn't going to take you to the promised land. And they're trading now for Joe Musgrove because they want to make sure that they've got another major league pitcher because it's not just whether or not Mackenzie Gore comes up and pitches for them this year. He probably will. But it's also, I think they're concerned about whether or not they have enough coverage if Lamette really does have an injury issue. And maybe he doesn't. And maybe your imaginary conversations while you're naked and wet are fine. But maybe... (laughs) Maybe he does end up having to spend some time on the shelf and they don't want to lose pace. Listen, here's the thing. The only thing it points out to me about what's going on with the Padres and how it compares to the White Sox is that if the Sox made the moves that the Padres made, they would actually be out of players. The Padres have more capital to spend. That said, Mackenzie Gore is basically Michael Kopech. Gore's actually rated higher than what Kopech is. In fact, Kopech would be more like Luis Patino, who they traded away over yeah. this offseason in terms of his ranking on the MLB prospect list. But let's just, for for just for fun, say that they have a guy in Gore, just like we have a guy in Kopech. And they could have sat there and said, well, that guy's going to be in the rotation and forced him in there. What they've done now is said, when you prove that you're good enough to get in there, you'll find a spot, McKenzie. We don't need to rush you. I don't want the White Sox to do that with Kopech. And so that's why I think when you go and get the fourth starter, you can at least believe on the outside chance that Ethan Katz does something with Cease, that we keep hearing there's a change in his delivery, there, there's a new philosophy, they think they're they're unlocking Dylan Cease. If Cease is your five and you go out and get a reliable four, your staff one through five compared to the Padres staff one through five with your prospect in the wings that one day you believe could be a top-end starter, along with their prospect that's in the wings that they believe could be a top-end starter, are pretty close and can go head-to-head with each other. So you might not like how the Sox are doing business, but if the Sox go out and get a free agent instead of having to spend capital in their minor league system and fill that spot with a guy that's just like Joe Musgrove, you should be happy. And guess what? There's plenty of guys just like Joe Musgrove out there. So this isn't over yet. And I just don't understand the knee jerk, like getting upset every time the Padres do something. I mean, the only time that's going to matter to you what the Padres did is if you make it to the World Series. And and by then, you don't know who's healthy, who isn't, what the Sox did in, in midseason. It's a weird thing that people get upset about every time the Padres make a move. White Sox Twitter goes nuts. Yeah, the free agent pitching market has been so hard to read because guys are getting deals that don't seem to fit who they really are in comparison to other guys who have been signed. So if Rick is waiting a little bit, and I think he can do this, I think the Sox can wait until we get a little bit closer to pitchers and catchers reporting and just see who starts to get a little nervous that they're not going to be on a major league roster to start the season. I think that's why John Lester just signed with the Nationals. I don't think John Lester necessarily sat there and went, I got to be in Washington to end my career. I think he wanted to be in Chicago or Boston, but... The Nationals came and said, hey, here's an offer. And he said, you know what? I'd rather be on a team than sitting around waiting for a phone call that might not show up. So I think the Sox are going to have some options there for guys that want to do that. And I agree with you. Unless you get to the World Series and Joe Musgrove throws 
a shutout versus whoever the Sox equivalent fourth starter acquisition is, I don't think that there's any way to really compare it other than if the Padres continue to make moves or other teams continue to make moves that the Sox seemingly could have made. Like you can very clearly see how the Sox make this trade and the Sox don't pull the trigger on it or they don't sign anyone. Then I think you can start to question what what the philosophy there is behind going with Cease and going with your version of Mackenzie Gore in Michael Kopech instead of having that depth and building that up. That's the hammer we've been hitting with all offseason. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.